back to another episode of The Tango Banter. I am Yelizaveta. Some of you got to hear my music last Friday night at Milonga Corazon, and I'm so grateful that uh, you came out, and it was my privilege and honor to have you dance to my music, and it was really fun, really fun. Um, since then, some of you have been asking me when my next DJing gig is, and I do have one lined up already that I want you to know about. Uh, it is going to be at the LA Tango Marathon, which if you have not had a chance to attend this marathon, it's one of my personal favorites, not just because it's in LA, and of course I love LA, but because it's genuinely a really really great event. It's in May and I am posting the link to the event in the show notes. I'll be DJing on Sunday afternoon, one of my favorite time slots to DJ, so I hope you can make it to that. There will be probably some DJing before then, so keep your uh, ears tuned for updates. If you are not on my newsletter list, please make sure that you get on that because I send out weekly announcements and uh, updates about upcoming events. If uh, you want to get on that list, just message me and I'll add you. And also, as always, you are more than welcome to join my private Facebook group uh, where we hold weekly discussions. And uh, this is another way for you to also keep in touch and keep up to date with uh, what I'm doing. And uh, speaking of what else I'm doing, as I've mentioned in my last episode, I'm looking for guests uh, to appear on this show for a casual banter interview about all things tango. So if you are that person who wants to come on the show and chat with me about these very important issues in our lives... Uh, go ahead and click on the link below for a little questionnaire that I've put together. Fill it out and uh, perhaps you will be on the banter here with me in the near future. So today's topic is part two of the um, topic that I started last week where I talked about the top 10 complaints that followers have about leaders. And of course, it is only fair that I cover this in the uh, the other part of the equation, which is the complaints that leaders might have about followers. And some of the overlap that you might expect is going to be there. There are some things that both people, both leaders and followers complain about, but there are certain things that particularly followers need to know that leaders uh, complain about in the uh, privacy of their own uh, home or in the conversations outside of tango, and they might not feel comfortable to bring it up to your face. And I did not know about many of these things until I started leading. And some of it was actually pretty surprising how um, much of an impact it had on my experience as a leader. So I'm sharing with you both my experience as a leader, having been a leader now for a number of years and having led at multiple events in different parts of the country and been abroad, uh, so I have a lot of experience just in that um, circumstance of just 
having to put up my put myself out as a leader, but also having conversations with other leaders. And over the years, I've uh, developed a sort of camaraderie with uh, certain leaders who've you know, trusted me and have disclosed some of their complaints. So this list is informed by their feedback. Now, if some of you have things to add to this list or uh, things that you want to bring up with me separately, I invite you to contact me through my social media at I'm So Tango or email me at connect at I'm So Tango.com. All right, so we're just going to launch right in. The number one thing, I'm just going to you know, get out of the way because this is something that applies to both. And whenever we do many hours of dancing, this comes up as an issue. And that is the issue of hygiene in particular having to do with sweat and BO. Now, I would say it's true that men uh, in general have more issues with sweat, uh, excessive sweat than women. Uh, but it actually is uh, an issue with women as well that does affect whether I want to dance with somebody or not. Now, the thing that makes it a little tricky with women that does not happen with men is that a lot of times women wear uh, things that are exposing the shoulders and the armpits in particular. So if you are a woman and you tend to wear dresses that are uh, maybe, you know, strappy or um, maybe strap less and you tend to sweat a lot, then you might be aware of the fact that when you take an embrace, especially if it's close embrace and you have that uh, contact between your armpit and the leader's arm, that that is going to literally rub off on them. And I have had experiences recently, and in my case, it makes it even more interesting because as a leader, sometimes I end up wearing uh, sleeveless or strappy things or strapless because I can and I enjoy it. And so if I dance with another woman who also sweats a lot, then I definitely feel that sweat rubbing off on my arm. And, you know, when the energy is high and I'm having fun, it might not bother me that much. But sometimes in the recent months, I have found myself going to the bathroom afterwards and sort of washing off my arm because it felt like a lot of sweat. So uh, that should be a consideration. And when it comes to BO, I think um, one thing I've noticed, and again, this can get a little bit more personal, but uh, for me, I've noticed that it does make a difference whether I've shaved my armpits recently or not. So, you know, those kinds of details make a difference. And so if I don't shave my armpits and go out and dance and sweat a lot, that tends to create a little bit more BO than if I were to freshly shave them that night, for example. Now, other things apply as well. Like in my past, last week's episode, I talked that your diet, your hydration, level of hydration uh, does make a big impact on whether your sweat smells, whether there's BO. So, Take that into consideration as the night progresses. I always recommend 
drink more water. And I do notice this um, tendency for us to just forget or to just keep drinking coffee or wine. But if you can just keep drinking water, that actually helps your body to stay uh, fresh. Now, uh, along with the BO uh, conversation, of course, women are also known for having bad breath. And again, it connects to that whole hydration aspect of your maintenance of your body. It really helps to keep drinking water. Uh, it does not help to eat empanadas and drink wine all night <laughs> uh, because by two o'clock in the morning, there will be some uh, bad breath going on as well as BO. So, uh, having some mints with you. I've known people who've brought mouthwash and sometimes there's mouthwash at the Malonga, which is a really great touch. I should say if you're an organizer and if you have the forethought to just put a bottle of mouthwash in the bathroom, that uh, makes a big difference. And um, sometimes also I've noticed that there might be snacks or there might be like a, a food break and the people go out and get a sandwich or something and then they'll come back and not realize that they have stuff in their teeth and that can be, you know, a little distracting, especially if you're close up to the person. So again, I'm throwing it out there just as a general um, thing to keep track of uh, because we are in such close proximity to each other, right? We're so close, literally up in each other's face. So you want to have that uh, consideration as you go out. Now, along with the this hygiene and, and uh, more of the uh, issues of keeping track of your body, I would say for women, it's really important to consider the quality of your fabrics, just like for men, synthetic fabrics tend to smell more, even if they don't smell when you first put them on. Once you start sweating, a lot of times they do start getting a little bit of a stink. So you want to consider the quality of the fabrics that you're wearing. But this will be particularly for women. I've noticed that sometimes uh, women wear fabrics that have texture that's a little too abrasive. Anything with sequins particularly. Imagine, and you can test this out, <laughs> if you embrace somebody who's wearing fabric that has a lot of texture, whether it's sequins or something like that, where there's some sort of a scratchiness, it is extremely uncomfortable to dance with. And I used to actually wear, I had a couple of really cute tops that had sequins, but since I started leading, I actually retired those tops because I realized that it is unbearable to dance with unless you're wearing long sleeves. So if you're dancing with somebody who's wearing a suit, they might not care. But for the rest of the men who are just wearing short sleeve shirts, uh, to have their arm embracing fabric that has a lot of texture and an abrasive sort of sequence type texture, it's very uncomfortable. And for some, like for me, I will decide not to dance with somebody just based on that because it, it's actually very distracting and painful, I would say, because you can actually like have a rash on your arm afterwards. So... Uh, have that in the back of your mind when you're getting dressed and sometimes even fabrics that are like fake leather or um, maybe even something that's like a fake fur uh, or feathers, uh, you know, something fuzzy 
Um, it might look cool and feel fine, but just thinking about somebody's arm being around, I noticed for me, if I dance with somebody who has like a lot of fluff, you know, they're wearing something that has a lot of, a lot of fluff on it, it gets really, really hot. And which brings me, actually, this is something I just thought of. I didn't write it down. But if you have really long hair, that's actually something to consider. If your hair is really long, long enough to cover your uh, partner's arm, just consider it gets really, really hot under the hair once you get going. So that sometimes can become a little bit uncomfortable. So you might put it up or kind of put it to the side so it's not necessarily going over your partner's arm. Now, some other things to consider that don't necessarily cause... Um, negative experiences perhaps, but it might cause some awkward experiences. And that is uh, outfits that create possibility of side boob entrance. Uh, and those are like halter tops or something you might wear during the summer when it's hot. And there are times when, you know, you might be turning and your partner's arm can accidentally slide in or out of your boob area. And you know, you might not care, but I do know some men, uh, it's very uncomfortable for them and they prefer not having that possibility. So, you know, you might consider that or have that in your, um, in your forethought when you're getting dressed or how you're dancing, uh, just as a way of taking care of uh, your part when it comes to etiquette and dancing with a man. All right, so we're going to go ahead and move on. And the next uh, piece I'll say uh, is has to do with perfume, okay? As with cologne, perfume can be an issue. And I actually think that strong perfume more often than not is an issue than strong cologne. I think most men, at least in my experience, I've noticed most men will opt for no cologne or very light cologne, but most women do wear perfume. And sometimes it's very obvious that the perfume was put on very shortly before walking into the malonga, and it's very, very strong. And somebody actually from last week made a comment that it actually makes a difference where the perfume is put on. So whether you put it right on the neck versus putting it sort of on over your head and sort of uh, making it spread around your body. Sometimes they say, you know, you just kind of spray and walk into it. That might be a strategy. But just being sensitive to how strong the perfume is because the thing that bothers men <laughs> and myself as well as a leader is when I leave the embrace and the scent of the woman goes with me. <laughs> uh, and then it's sort of like, there's been times that like, I can't get rid of that scent. It's just sort of like on me for the rest of the night. And if it's a scent that I don't really like, or that's just not, um, you know, it's not something I want uh, to smell the whole night, uh, that can be a distraction. And I know for some people, they're also very sensitive to smells. So just being aware of that uh, and uh, taking care that maybe you put the perfume a little bit earlier in the night and let it sort of settle and blend in or putting it not quite just on your neck, but spreading it around might be um, a good uh, strategy. Now, from here, I'm going to move on to the more technical aspects because obviously the hygiene is important and does play a part. 
uh, for leaders. But I think men in general, leaders, are willing to uh, overlook any of these things if the technical things are working well. So let's talk about the technical aspects, which do differ a little bit for uh, leaders and followers. For example, last week I pointed out that one of the biggest technical aspects that uh, followers complain about is leaders uh, over focus on patterns and fancy movements uh, at the expense of musicality and navigation. So that aspect is really important for leaders to understand that what followers really want is musicality. When it comes to leaders, musicality is a priority, but it's a little different. There's other things that leaders really need from followers and really want in order for them to execute the piece that they really need to execute. So I'm going to go over some of these um, technical aspects and make some suggestions as to how you could work around self-assessing and figuring out whether you have this issue and how you could resolve it. So this will be the number number five. So we've gone through uh, four of these that have to do with the more hygienic aspect of the dance. And now number five, at number five, I'm putting bad balance, okay? Ladies, balance is the holy grail as well as the bane of our existence. Everybody complains about balance. Balance is something we all want to improve. When it comes to following, bad balance is a huge issue and really puts a lot of strain on your leader because if you don't have your balance, the leader is going to have to do the work to help you balance, which puts a lot of strain on the leaders, leaders complain about back pain, neck pain, shoulder pain, those kinds of issues. So how do you know if you have issues with balance? Well, one way to tell is if you feel like you're falling a lot or that you're having to grip your leader for support on any of the steps. If you feel like you're sort of stumbling forward or you're in your tippy toes a lot where your weight is a little bit too forward, uh, that's a good indication that your axis is not quite stable and that your balance, you're depending on your leader for balance. Now, it is a little bit of a complex issue for women, especially if you're dancing with heels, right? A follower role is a bit more complex, as I've talked about before, because you're having to walk backwards and you have to walk in heels. So, Understandably, it's a much more sophisticated and complicated skill than walking in flats, walking forward like a leader. So it's understandable that followers have issues with balance. Uh, sometimes it's because uh, we learn to take steps that are too big. You know, when we first go to class, we might be encouraged to take very big steps and we sort of learn that the steps are supposed to be a certain size, but then that actually makes us overstep and influences our ability to really land on our axis and be balanced. So that, that's one way that you can sort of assess in your own body when you're landing on each step. Are you landing and feeling secure or are you having to tense up your body and sort of you know, jitter a little bit before you recover. That jittering, that reliance on the leader 
is going to be something that they are going to have to brace against. So working on your balance is a really important skill set. And I would recommend that you get feedback in maybe in a practice session from different dancers that you might dance with, or really the best ways to get a one-on-one -on -one with a teacher who can give you honest feedback. Sometimes leaders uh, who are not necessarily teachers, who are just your partners, they might give you feedback that's uh, maybe not the best feedback that you need to hear because they might not know follower technique. So I've talked about this before. It's really important to get feedback from dancers who understand the role that you're dancing with uh, intimately. So if you're dancing as a follower, you want to get feedback from a person who really understands following technique. So getting a teacher who's a dual role dancer or you know, a leader who really understands following or a follower who understands both roles, something along those lines might be uh, really helpful. I also recommend for balance that you might explore other movement mechanics, other movement forms like yoga, Pilates, Tai Chi, gyrotonics, really any body movement form that explores and pushes you to develop your own technique for balancing in your own body. This is especially helpful if you are kind of new to movement in general. If you if you started tango and you haven't had any other movement before that, there's many dancers who start later in life. Maybe you're in your 40s or 50s and you just haven't really had experience with any other movement form. It's really important that you spend that time off the dance floor exploring, discovering your own body mechanics to help you understand what it's like for you to balance on your own so that what you bring to the table when you're dancing with somebody is already somewhat integrated in your own body and that way your leader can have an easier time dancing with you. Now along with bad balance and this is somewhat related because if you um, have bad balance, it's an indication of this, and that is bad posture. This is, again, an overlap for both leaders and followers. Bad posture is um, sort of a real blind spot for many people. They just might not even know that they have an issue with their posture. You might be going through life thinking that your posture is fine. You don't have any issues. You're not falling over. You're not losing your balance. You might not have any sort of aches or pains. But then you take the embrace and all of a sudden you're just having all these issues with balance or you find that you don't have enough space for your steps. This is especially applicable if you're dancing a lot in close embrace. Uh, and some of the movements that you're required to do or vocabulary that you're learning, you're not quite uh, able to execute. If that's the case, the posture might be a real player here. And for leaders, posturally, the biggest, uh, I would say, uh, most um, acute issue is when the head is coming forward too much. And by too much, I mean like even quarter of an inch can be too much because imagine the head is, you know, it can be 10 to 11 pounds. And if you place it on top of a spine and it's slightly forward, imagine the weight that now your back muscles have to uh, deal with and it's quite a bit of tension that's created in the body. So for men, uh, the blind spot or the the problem a lot of times is the head forward. 
for women, I've noticed as a leader, a lot of times the issue is in the chest, the chest being too forward. Now there are, again, there are a couple of reasons for this. First of all, you're in heels. And whenever a person goes on heels, especially for the first time, if you don't have that much experience, what happens a lot of times very kind of like a reflex is that your knees lock, which makes your pelvis sh shift forward a little bit. It kind of untucks. So imagine a bowl that is shifting or tilting forward. So the contents would sort of spill forward. And once the pelvis is forward, it actually makes your chest push forward. And once the chest is forward, what it means is that your axis is always favoring the direction to the front, right? You're always kind of geared towards falling forward. And it's very difficult to work with on the social dance floor. I have to say, mechanically speaking, when I am uh, teaching uh, women to lead, this is the one of the main questions I get is like, how do you deal with that? How do you uh, make up for that misalignment? And it's very difficult because if your chest is way forward, that means your weight is way forward and it actually will impact your partner's alignment and make them less stable and make them have to compromise their posture. So just like for leaders, I was saying, pushing your head forward really impacts their followers' experience and will make it uh, quite painful in some cases. The the truth for follower technique is that chest forward alignment can be really detrimental to the embrace. Now, the other reason why this happens a lot is that if you, especially if you're in close embrace, you have the arm of the leader wrapping around you and that even more encourages you to sort of release the ribs forward and lean on your partner. And I didn't touch upon that with leaders, but there is sort of a, a complaint that sometimes the leaders hug too tight with their, uh, the, closed the close embrace arm, that it can be too much force that they're using. That does happen with uh, certain milongueros, especially who dance old style, milonguero style with the leaning forward, the apelado technique. So that's something for leaders to consider. But for followers... If you allow yourself to completely let go into that shape, that's going to cause that extra opening in the ribs and it will make you less balanced. It will impact your posture. It can create lower back issues. It will limit the range of motion and it will uh, impact your geometry, meaning how you're stepping around your partner and you'll feel sort of like you don't have enough space or you're not really able to catch up with your with your partner. Now, there's a really fun, simple technique that I teach uh, to test in your own body whether this is happening, whether your ribs are too forward. And that is that if you take a really deep breath in to your ribs and give yourself the focus, the task to see if you can breathe in such a way that your back body inflates. So the back of the ribs. So you'll notice that if your ribs are too far forward and you take a big breath in, 
your breath is just going to go to the front. You're going to feel the ribs sort of splay open and your back is actually going to contract even more. But if you bring your ribs into the body and sort of close off the space and then try to take a deep breath in, really focusing on breathing into the back body, you'll be able to notice that there will be a slight inflating sensation in the back body. And that's kind of how you can tell whether your posture, especially the alignment of your upper spine, is aligned properly. So you can test this on yourself. And again, if you want feedback, get it from a teacher, get it from a few partners, and just ask them if they feel that your spine is aligned uh, properly. Now, some people will not have enough experience or enough expertise to tell you precisely what they feel. That's why I recommend that you get feedback from multiple people and just look for the common denominators of what it is that they're saying to you that overlaps, right? You might have to let go of 80% of the feedback and that's okay. Just take what really matters to you and what you can trust, okay? That would be my suggestion. Now, we're moving right along to, I would say, my most uh, important pieces of the puzzle for technique for followers. And those are the pieces that impact my decision on who I dance with uh, the most. So the next item, number seven, is going to be embrace technique and particularly no connection in the embrace. So the embrace is very passive. How does that uh, play out on the dance floor? So specifically thinking about the right arm as a follower, your right arm, if your right elbow tends to extend and bend a lot when you dance. So when you're dancing, it's kind of like the, the shape of that arm goes from being straight to bent a lot. That is a, an aspect of the embrace being disconnected, that there's not really a resonance, a response from your right side of the embrace. It might seem like a small detail, but I tell you, as a leader, when I dance with somebody like that, it makes it very difficult for me to predict what's going to happen next. And because it's difficult to predict, it makes it really stressful, especially when you're dancing on a crowded dance floor. So you might, you know, self-assess uh, in different ways. Getting feedback is one. But one simple uh, way is you can make a video of yourself dancing and just watch the right arm. And if you see that the right arm is extending and bending throughout the embrace, you can then know that that's something that you can work on. And once you improve that, that makes your embrace a lot more easy to work with and a lot easier to navigate on the social dance floor. Now, the other extreme, and I would say uh, this one's going to be the more acute one. This is the one that leaders complain about the most. If I were to pick one item off this list and designate it as the top reason why leaders might not dance with somebody, and it's because the embrace is too stiff, okay? Now, the stiffness of the embrace, you know, most people don't want a stiff embrace and understand that their embrace is not supposed to be stiff. 
but it's also true that it's very difficult to uh, interpret a lot of the instruction that we get in classes because a lot of times as beginners we might be told oh well keep your embrace relaxed but you want to have frame but not too stiff but not too relaxed and and then it's kind of hard to tell where you're supposed to be in my experience the most uncomfortable aspect of a stiff embrace is once again when on the open side of the embrace, it's that right arm of the follower, a lot of times that's where the issues are. If there is a little bit of a constant pushing forward, so just like a tiny bit of a push-up, that energy of pushing through the right arm, even just a tiny bit, if it's consistent, it can be extremely painful for the leader. Uh, for me, my left arm, the top of the shoulder starts to cramp a little bit. And as a leader, I've noticed it's very difficult to not engage with that tension and not to respond in kind. So by dancing with somebody who has that little bit of pressure, I automatically have to bring that pressure into the equation from my side and I tell you, it can be so painful to dance with somebody like that. Now, the same scenario can happen, but instead of the energy being pushing forward, if the follower has the energy of the arm too heavy, so the right arm, instead of holding up the weight of your arm yourself, that they just kind of hang the arm on the leader's left arm. This happens a lot with dancers who come from other dance forms like blues or fusion or salsa because in those dances, the technique actually is to allow the arm to be heavy. The lead happens through that, through that arm being very relaxed. But for followers in tango, it's actually really important to hold up the weight of your arm yourself and the way I teach frame and the way I explain it is that you're holding up the weight of the arm and you have, as a default, no particular energy going in any direction. You're just holding up the arm and your partner is doing the same. And then from that place of zero is when the leading is introduced through different types of pressure or pull or different types of tension. But the goal for both follower and leader to come back to this place of no no um, pressure, no energy going any direction, just this place of being together and being ready to receive and being ready to direct. So again, I'm sure as you're listening to this, you realize that a podcast format might not be the best way to understand these concepts, but if you are curious, if you have this issue, uh, if you've heard uh, partners tell you this feedback that they feel you have too much tension in your right arm. My suggestion, once again, would be to uh, sample certain dancers and get feedback from them. But honestly, with this particular issue, it is really worthwhile to spend the money and get a few sessions with a good teacher who can put you through different positions where you train and integrate the mechanic of not pushing or pulling unnecessarily on your partner. And I tell you, 
for me, it's a total game changer. When I feel that somebody uh, can change these little things about their embrace, it really impacts my experience the most. And I will definitely change my mind about dancing with someone if I know that that technique is there. All right, so we have a couple of more, uh, and these last two are, um, I think, are pretty funny, and, and uh, you know, they're pretty subjective, and it will range from different uh, leaders who have different preferences, but at number nine, I put down too many embellishments, okay? I've heard this complaint from many leaders that they dance with somebody, and the follower is just doing whatever they want. They just don't even care. And they're putting, you know, every boleo that's led is off the ground and it's big. Or every time they do some sort of a pivot, there's an embellishment there, even though the music might not um, call for it. Now, I know where it comes from. And most of the time, it comes from followers watching other followers doing it or watching stage tango, um, stage tango performances, or they've seen some sort of videos dancing with the stars and they get inspired by all the bells and whistles that they see on stage. And so as part of their expression, they really feel that they want to uh, do these different embellishments. And I tell you, it takes away from the experience for the leader, for sure. There's definitely a sweet spot. It's not like you never never embellish or you never show your personality, but there's definitely a priority on being receptive and listening for the intention of the leader before you go off and just do your own thing. And one way that, again, you can self-assess, and I recommend this for everyone to do this, whether or not you need to assess this particular aspect of your dances, making videos of yourself and watching, does your movement actually relate to the music that's playing? Because sometimes you can see that the music is actually quite calm and melodic and you see yourself and you're like doing a bunch of kicks and very lavish movements and big. And it's like, why? Why is this happening? This, there's, it's not in the music. The second reason you don't want to be doing a lot of embellishments is because especially on a crowded social dance floor, it's really important that you understand that you are part of a choreography with other dancers and your uh, flamboyancy or the size of your movement is going to be impacting people around you. You might kick somebody, you might be so unpredictable that the leader becomes very nervous about navigating because they might not know what you're going to do next. So, this is sort of a trust game that you're playing with your partner whenever you're on the social dance floor. And you both, by coming together on the social dance floor, you're making an agreement to work together to uh, bring forth your talent to complement everybody else's. And that's really important. And, um, you know, one of the most common complaints that I get, even uh, recently I got a complaint from somebody who said, you know, that... The, they were really enjoying the music one night, but they left because of the navigation, because the leaders weren't really um, paying attention when they're entering on the dance floor and they're not really looking uh, at who's around them and not asking for that permission to enter, which leaders, a little reminder for you, whenever you enter the dance floor, you must make contact with the person that you're going to be dancing with and wait for that nod 
that yes, it's it's okay to enter. That's something cordial. Uh, so that that becomes a really big reason for more seasoned dancers to choose not to dance or to leave the malanga because if they don't feel safe whether it's because there are other leaders that are not observing the etiquette or because the followers are a little bit unhinged and sort of in their own universe and want to do whatever they want to do uh, it makes it that much harder for the leaders to feel um, in the zone and to feel relaxed and and like they can really connect with the music all right so my last one is equivalent to my last comment in my uh, previous episode, and it's a bit subjective. Uh, so for the leaders, I talked about how there's this um, sometimes a uh, an attitude of superiority, like they know best, and so they feel like they need to uh, leader splain. <laughs> this is a word my friend and I came up with. Um, and they need to impart their wisdom on the social dance floor. And I'm saying that's, you know, that's such a huge no-no and just does not serve anyone and should not be done on the social dance floor. So followers, please watch out for that. If you, even if you're a beginner and there's a leader who's offering you feedback, cordially remind them that you don't accept feedback on the social dance floor. Um, now, the equivalent uh, for followers, and it's also an attitude, and that is the attitude of desperation. I tell you, there is nothing more unattractive on a follower, and because most followers are women in tango at this point, I'll say there's nothing more unattractive on a woman than an air of desperation. And even if you think that you're hiding it, it's it, it's so palpable. You, you can feel it. And I've heard leaders tell me this, that they sometimes they'll walk into an event that's very gender imbalanced and they walk in and they just feel the eyes penetrating them and watching their every move, waiting uh, for the capaceo. And that sometimes they will leave. They will choose to leave the malanga because it's way too stressful and it's too much pressure. Now, for a long time, I didn't understand how that could be. And as a woman, as being a follower, I have been there. I have been that desperate person wanting to dance. And since I started leading, it's been a really eye-opening experience to feel that and be on the receiving end of this energy. I have to say it's very uncomfortable. It puts the leader in a very interesting and tense position because sometimes they have the choice. They can be really mean and sort of completely disconnect and walk away and make you feel sort of unseen or they'll oblige and dance with you, but you know they're doing it because they can't escape and they can't say no and they feel bad. Um, and they might do it once or twice, but if they feel like they need to do it a lot, if that energy really persists, then they're going to do what they need to do to escape it because you can only do so much. So ladies, it's an issue for sure, that there are more women in tango than men. It always has been an issue. I think it will continue being an issue. <laughs> this is why I encourage women to lead, uh, both because 
you will have a chance to keep dancing even if there's not enough leaders. But also, it's good for us as women to sort of get a sense of what it's like on the other side of that. And it has been a very humbling experience for me. And I've gained a lot of respect for the men around me uh, as I watch them navigate these uh, behaviors. Because some women can be very, very pushy. Uh, They can be sort of like unapologetically in your face, just hounding you, coming up to you, telling you that they want to dance with you or demanding that you dance with the, with them, or, um, it can be very uncomfortable. So my suggestion is to be honest about your desire. If you want to dance with somebody, I'll tell you uh, something that a friend of mine told me. She did that I thought was just so classy. And I said, you know, I'm going to steal that and recommend everybody do that. Uh, and that is, she wanted to dance with a certain leader and he seemed like he was ignoring her. So she, she kind of felt like she couldn't tell whether it's because he doesn't want to dance with her or because she's not being obvious enough. So at the end of the malanga, after the comparsita played, she came up to him and she said, hello, I'm so-and-so. Just so you know, I've been watching you dance. I would love to dance with you sometime, blah, blah, blah. Nice to meet you and walk away. And that's it. I think that's a very classy way of letting somebody know that you want to, they want to dance or you want to dance with them, but then not really pressuring them. And one of the worst things you can do, and I tell you, this, this kind of happened to me as a follower. I've had a, a men say this and I, and I, I sort of resisted. I really don't like when men do this is, um, before the malanga that I see them or at the beginning of the malanga, I see them and it's somebody that I don't know. I'm not friends with them. It's somebody that I see in passing. And, uh, you know, if they come up to me and they're like, uh, yeah, so, you know, save me a tanda. We're going to dance later. Yeah. You're going to dance with me, right? We're going to dance. We're going to dance. You know, it's like with that energy of like, I just want to make sure I secure the dance now, you know, like this is my way in with that energy. Um, and I remember one gentleman did that to me and, and I said, I looked at him and I said, what do you expect me to say to that? Do you think that it's comfortable for me to say no? Like you don't, you don't want to verbally put your potential partner in a position that will make them feel uncomfortable um, to get out of it, right? The whole point of Capiseo is to make it as direct and easy as possible to say no. You know, that's for both men and women, followers and leaders. And so if you are uh, finding yourself as a woman being feeling desperate, you're feeling like nobody's dancing with you, you feel that you really want to dance with that one person and they promised you a dance, but they're not giving you a dance. And so you want to kind of like follow them around and (laughs) let them know that you really want to dance with them. Like try to catch yourself from that and, you know, work on your own sort of inner dialogue because that place of desperation is not a good place to come from in a dance. And I think all of us Uh, sort of agree that that energy doesn't feel very good uh, on the receiving end. It doesn't feel good internally either. This is why I work so much on mindset with people and talk so much about it, because if you're going to a malanga with that 
aspect of vacuum in yourself, like you're looking for the people to fill you, to make you feel okay, and you're coming in already at a deficit, and you're wanting somebody to make you feel better, that energy of desperation is not going to really facilitate you being the person that you need to be for other people, right? Like you're not really going to um, provide other people the experience that would make them want to dance with you again, right? So they might dance with you once, but then it's like, okay, glad that's over with, check, done. And, you know, honestly, there are people like that in my own experience, uh, dancers who I know are desperate to dance with me, and they sort of, you know, I can tell there's, they're, they're kind of hunting me down or they're putting in little tidbits here and there, like little hint, hint, want to dance with you. You know, and a lot of times I'm like, all right, all right, let's get this over with. You know, here it is. Here's your Tonda. Okay, bye. You know, and it's it doesn't feel good. I don't like doing it. Uh, I'd rather, you know, have the space. Like, I know you want to dance with me. Give me that opportunity to choose the Tonda to find you when when it's appropriate. And if it's not today, it will be another time, you know. And uh, I think it really makes a big impact on me as a leader when I feel that. So that wraps up the list for top 10 complaints of um, leaders towards followers. I'm curious how that sits with you. Let me know if there's other things that you feel need to be added to the list or maybe some things that need to be clarified or maybe you disagree with certain aspects, but uh, I would love to uh, hear your two cents. You can leave me some comments um, either on my YouTube channel or contact me through social media. And I hope to uh, continue our conversation on these issues uh, in my private group. So if you want to join my weekly live chats and speak about these things in real time, go ahead and check out the link below and join my group. Would love to see you there. All right, we will continue all of this bantering next week. Until then, have a wonderful week ahead. Do some dancing, and we'll talk soon. Ciao.